I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of 12 Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12 and the best business phone services chosen by everyone. They're all talking about a U.S. News report, your whole family. Nextiva helps companies all over the Pac-12 country stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more all for the fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls every day. Visit nextiva.com forward slash 12pack to get started. Nextiva.com forward slash 12PAC. Do it now. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world-famous two-time champs and feel the power. It's a new day. Yes, it is. For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the beta-ranked college football statistical model, and your home for Pac-12 gambling device with William Hills Max Meyer. This is Brian Conger, and we'll do a simulcast, a simulcast on the Sharp College Football uh, YouTube feed with my man, as always, Mr. Rob Barron, the wizard guru, um, who has just built up a bit of a following, Rob, on, on YouTube. So I'm pretty excited to be able to start doing the videos and podcasts at the same time. How are you? Yeah, we've uh, we've really taken off. I mean, we we started out coming in after after last fall, which was a bit weird, and we hadn't. It was our first time doing videos, and we're at a hundred subscribers now, but we've gained seventy subscribers in the last three weeks. So we're um, we're growing more than Snowflake, basically, is what we can say, right? You know? Right. I mean, the growth right now is quite large comparatively, um, and like a lot of the videos, uh, we've we've driven uh, you know quite a bit of traffic in to to watch some of the videos and come check out. We've we've recently covered previews for um, UCLA, <clears throat> Arizona State, uh, and Utah on there, and we will uh, be covering Washington this week, and then looking to get to uh, and we've already done Oregon. Um, as well. So, you know, a good number of Pac-12 schools already covered in the the fall preview. But the two teams we picked out today, Rob, were um, kind of clumped together. And uh, and we kind of did that for a couple of reasons. The first is we want to keep in the Pac-12 South. But also, these are two teams that like, we kind of want to see if they can continue the success they saw in a weird year, right? So those two teams are Colorado and UCLA. And when I think of both of those teams taking a step back, I mean, when we were doing our previews, we certainly just crapped all over UCLA the, the previous year, and rightly so. They didn't really show us anything. DTR was fumbling the ball in every possible hum, human way he could, and Colorado had new coach, out of the blue hire, some okay talent, but hadn't necessarily put it together. They had Darren Chivarini as their offensive uh, coordinator. So there's just all these kind of things that were up in the air, and it wasn't like they blew the doors off the Pac-12, but I did think that both of them had really solid seasons, all things, you know, 
if you take all things into consideration, uh, particularly where the teams were going into the season. I mean, it's such a weird year in COVID. And I think sometimes we use COVID as an excuse for uh, good teams that didn't play well. And so we, we kind of have to speak out of the same side of our mouth by if, if it was a bad team that did well in a COVID year, I think that's like a, a higher um, a higher mountain to climb if, if you're Chip Kelly or, or if you're um, uh, the entire Boulder team, basically, with the new coaching staff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought the Bruins did uh, a good job, I would say, uh, really in particular, I think, in uh, last season, improving on defense, right? You know, Newsom came in. Um, the defense, you know, Brian Newsom was the replacement for Paul Rhodes, who went off to be the defensive coordinator, you know, <laughs> for a hot minute. He's actually in Columbus, Ohio now as a consultant uh, with Ohio State. Good work so if I'm, you can get maybe, it. Yeah, maybe I'll run into him. Uh, he probably but, uh, makes more than he did as Arizona's DC. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Probably has more work to do, um, you know, but I think the, uh, you know, they, they did a good job. I mean, improving in particular, I think on, on offense, you know, on, on stopping the run, um, you know, Odigazua, I think was probably the unsung, you know, defensive player. I mean, one of the, it's hard to say, cause I mean, it was such a weird year in the pac 12. A lot of the defenses were worse than expected in a lot of cases. I mean, include, I mean, Oregon and Washington didn't really hit yeah. the numbers we were expecting. Um, you know, UCLA really outperformed expectations by a good bit. And a lot of it was built around, you know, their, their ability to stop the run. I mean, Odigazua did a really good job, uh, you know, stopping, you know, um, stopping the run. They also did pretty well in the, you know, not just on the interior run defense, which was their strength in 19. Um, you know, they were able to control a little bit more of the, you know, bang, you know, keep teams from bouncing it to the outside, you know, still some stuff to clean up in the past defense. That's absolutely true. Um, yeah. but I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I repeatedly called for Jerry Azanaro's job, you know, like after the, you know, how he had done and, and they, they really, really, now they're not, I mean, it, it's worth pointing out. They didn't suddenly become some amazing defense. They're number 48 in beta rank. That's a huge improvement though, over where yeah. they were. I mean, they were among the very worst defenses in the power five. So um, to, to make that kind of a, you know, leap forward and, and they took a step forward offensively, right? I mean, they were pretty good, you know, uh, on, on offense. And, you know, I, th I think that that, um, you know, that on its own right there, I, I, I think too, as you start to look at what they might bring into next year, if they can, I mean, and it comes down to, I mean, if they could clean up the turnovers, you talked about the fumbles, right? All the fumbles. Ever. I mean, all, all, I mean, in, in particular, like the game that stands out is that Colorado game where they really outplayed Colorado and were undone by turnovers. But I mean, if you think of even that game where they were playing their backup quarterback up in Eugene and the fact that they really hung with Oregon, ran all over them, uh, you know, in that game, I mean, that was remarkable. I mean, that was an eye opener for me. I mean, it, one, it made me think like, man, is, is there Oregon's defense going to figure it out? But like, man, look at this UCLA run game. <laughs> yeah, I know, man, they were running all over everybody. And, and to be fair to DTR, the fumbles weren't as bad of an issue this past year than it was the previous year. Um, so he did tighten that stuff up. I thought one of the things that was interesting about him was the interceptions on his end. So 12 touchdowns, four interceptions. He did have a few fumbles, but they did tighten up the turnover battle. And, and one of the things now it was, it wasn't great at all. Um, but I think the bar was so low for them that one of the questions that we had was, man, if, if UCLA can just like hang on to the football a little bit more, maybe they do win one or two more games. And that's kind of what happened. Like, I think a lot of people in the Pac-12 are treating UCLA as if they won the conference. <laughs> now they beat you with yeah. USC. Um, but three and three. And then, like you mentioned, Rob, we did see a lot of 
improvement, not only in the defense, we knew the running defense was pretty good, but I thought altogether the defense just looked more like a cohesive unit than it did in previous years. Um, and, and the running game was just uh, amazing. Like I really, I thought it was fascinating how Britton Brown was able, um, to take care of business. They bring in, uh, Zach Chabonet, who is like my favorite name in the Pac-12 this year. And uh, if, if there are better names, please let me know. Um, but bringing in a really elite type of running back from Michigan, I think we're going to, I mean, one of the questions, I guess, is are we going to see the same production out of the offense that we did last year? Because they returned most of the offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, UCLA, part of the reason we're, you know, really projecting them so highly, uh, you know, in, in, in beta rank, they're projected this season uh, at number 18 overall, which, you know, if you're in the top 25, if you're a UCLA fan, you feel pretty good about that. They yeah. return, they're number two in returning production on offense. They're returning 95%, you know, of their, of their uh, production from last season, you know, added into that, as, as you mentioned, is the running back transfer that they got out of Michigan. Um, they're at number nine and returning on defense. I mean, there's, there's just a lot coming back that you might be able to, you know, hang your hat on their tight end, uh, Dulcich, you feel like, you know, could be another breakout, you know, candidate for UCLA, um, Kelly's, you know, new pro style offense, I think, you know, really relies on that tight end and and he's really gotten some good production out of him. It's, it fascinates me though, because you still find people, I was reading a UCLA preview or, a, and somebody was talking about how Thompson Robinson was the ideal fit for the Chip Kelly offense. And I was just thinking like, uh, man, do yeah. they watch? I mean, <laughs> do they even, I mean, cause it's just not, I mean, you would like, he would be the ideal fit perhaps for like a 2012 Chip Kelly offense, but I don't know if it, he is the ideal fit for this offense. Cause they don't use his legs a ton. Well, I mean that, and that's another question. What is the Chip Kelly offense? Right. I mean, it right. seemed like he was just cycling through, whatever he was was throwing a lot at the wall and it seemed like this past year in the midst of COVID, he kind of was, he put together something that was, you know, definable, which was throw the tight end, run the ball. Um, and and like, I mean, the wide receivers that they have are interesting. You have Kyle Phillips and Chase Coda, but they really didn't see the production. It was like the walk on tight end, which is the most chip Kelly thing ever (laughs) for for his team to like, ah, screw all these four-star players. Let's get the third to the, the walk on tight end. But I mean, the production is there 20 yards of catch. He had 500 like, you know, plus yards, five touchdowns. Um, and they finally could march the ball down the field. Um, I, I guess my big question that I'd really love to see going into spring. So UCLA ended up delaying their spring ball a lot, a little bit longer than um, we had anticipated. So they're going to play in a couple weeks and my question is, you know, if teams can figure out how to stop that run, is this really a, a, more than a one-dimensional offense? I mean, they do have the tight end, but can DTR get the ball out to anybody else with regularity um, to, to really go beyond a 500 type of team in the Pac-12? And I don't know the answer to that. That's something that I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, that 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 strikes me as something that's really interesting for them too, right? Is can they become a diverse enough offense um, to really be able to, to move the ball, I think, uh, you know, in out to the wide receivers. I mean, code is a, was a good get for them. He's a guy, a, a lot of people wanted, um, yeah. they certainly have some guys that are, you know, even as, as Kelly has is, is not the kind of recruiter that, you know, you would have expected, you know, or maybe he's the recruiter that Oregon fans certainly did expect. Um, <laughs> that's probably but I, I would have expected anyone to be able to cash in a little bit more at UCLA. Um, and, and I don't want to take, I mean, like Felton, you know, not being there is going to hurt, right? I mean, Felton was a, just a monster 
one yeah. of the best players and most dynamic players in the Pac-12. Um, you know, and he had 20, but he, you know, you look at these reception numbers. I mean, that's the, that's, I think you're right. Like that's the question because I, I don't know if the offense is diverse enough with a threat to the outside with enough of a passing game to, you know, get them over the hump because I, I do think that they, they did run the ball really effectively last season. They even yeah. ran, as we talked about, ran the ball against Oregon, but man, Oregon's run defense struggled with everybody. I mean, they just struggled with getting off blocks and run fit. I mean, despite all the talent uh, and, and that just leaves you with, you know, I, I, as excited as I am about this UCLA team. I mean, I, I feel like I, you know, I will defend them, you know, to the hilt on, on going into the, you know, this season, but at the same time, like I really do need to see, uh, you know, I need to see them continue to prove it. Right. I mean, they, their, their offense was potent last season, uh, you know, and, and they were able to, um, you know, they were, you know, number 19 in drive efficiency last year, number 36 in explosive drives. I mean, they were a really solid offense in a lot of ways and 18 in negative drives. I mean, just not as many three and outs still, I mean, the turnovers were murder, but they really cut down on their three and outs last year. Man, like I, if I could, if they can repeat that again and, and again show a little bit uh, of defensive improvement, the you know, and that my question on the defense and 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 maybe this is you know like the guy that they I mean they bring back a lot, but man, the guy that they lose in Odigazua was just yeah. um I mean, just otherworldly. That that part seems like a little harder to replace um, for a team that uh, you know just. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't seem to have a. It doesn't seem to have enough play. That, I mean, it's like we talk about. Like, it just doesn't seem to have enough playmakers. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we were worried about was roster management with UCLA. It seemed like Chip Kelly went out and he signed 18 linebackers, and then and then you look at the defensive line. You kind of go like, where is the beef now? It ended up being Odigazua, and there are players behind him that have some heft to them. But can can they be as dis- I mean, like, and you've seen this on other teams where you just have a force in the middle that just forces everybody else to focus on them, right? It's, they're getting double teamed or they're being game planned around, and it lets your defensive ends get around the corner, lets your outside linebackers, your inside linebackers get those creases inside to get to the quarterback. Um, that I mean, that's my biggest question too. Can they continue this without Odigazua? I I I think that UCLA falls back to earth if I were to put my money on it. Um, this year now, I think they'll be an approved team over what we've seen the last couple of years because those teams were garbage. Um, but but this this last team that we saw, I mean, like it was the first year I looked at that that Chip Kelly team and just said, okay, I I can kind of see, I, I see the structure of what he's putting together rather than him just kind of recruiting players and like just kind of running through whatever he decided to do that week, which was pretty bizarre. Um, and even the secondary, I thought, you know, now they weren't they weren't playing world beaters in terms of quarterbacks for the most part. Now they did play USC, but even that offense was kind of a mess. Um, yeah. But I think, I think that the schedule, right. Cause so they played, um, <laughs> they played Sam Neuer. They played um, Arizona. They played Oregon state. And I, I'm not a big fan of their quarterback. Um, right. They played in Oregon. That was now Joe Moorhead's offense. I think is going to be really solid, but um, and Oregon put up some points. But, right. you know, I, I know I just I just think that the secondary might not be as good as it looked on paper when we go into this next season. But I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, that's kind of one of the questions, right? No, and they didn't grade out well on effective pass. They were at 70 overall on effective mm-hmm. pass. I mean, they were at 40 in effective rush and 
you know, the really hurting back there. And I mean, you're right. I mean, getting Neuer and they didn't even get Gunnell. I mean, they got, I mean, Gunnell got hurt on the first play (laughs) and they got Will Plummer got thrown out there as a true freshman with base. I mean, they, you know, with no spring and a shortened fall and, you know, got a and Odigazua. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to the no, run, no running game and just got, you know, just just had a miserable, miserable time back there. You know, and I, I get like, I mean, we it's a short season. I mean, plus they got, you know, Garbers and that weird game with Cal, right? Where Cal, you know, basically was, yeah. you know, rolled rolled out of quarantine at the last minute to play. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it is, it is tough to get a, I mean, this is true of a lot of PAC 12 teams. It's, just, it's tough to get a really strong read on, you know, this unit. I, I think it's really fair to ask the question of not only where does the past defense, you know, where do the, where does the back end, you know, coverage, do, do they continue to improve there? Can they continue to improve there? But also where does the pass rush come from? I, I don't think that they've been, uh, you know, really excellent at that. And it's, you know, like, uh, you know, the guy that transferred to Miami, Jalen Phillips, that was the, you know, their huge recruit when they got him, um, you know, like he was almost a non-entity at UCLA and he busted out at Miami, you know, like he's yeah. going to, he's going to go pretty high in the draft. They, they don't, they haven't recruited any, anyone like that. And they've also been doing the, you know, flipping guys back and forth between the offensive and defensive line. Yeah. It just, it still feels a little like it, it feels like we should be talking about a UCLA team on the rise and have better answers for who's going to replace Felton and Odigazua, right? Like you just feel like for a team that you're like talking about like some positives with that, like, oh yeah, UCLA should have some guys and you're left with guys like guys that you just, you still want to see like, oh yeah, I, I need to see that guy prove it on the field. Yeah, so let's. There's a couple things that I want to check out, uh, particularly the people they did gain in the transfer portal, because they yeah. have been active. Now they've lost a bunch of people too, and we'll talk about those folks. Um, and then I want to talk about their offensive line, because that's another question I have. Uh, now, if you're on video, you know, we'll just cut to the, but if you're on podcast, we'll do it right after this break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. So I want to go through the transfer portal real fast for them because uh, they picked up some interesting players. I thought the first one was um, uh, Ale, uh, Ale Kano, who is the uh, number seven inside linebacker of the 2018 class. He was a player at Alabama, um, played 40 games there. He was a key on special teams, but like I think he might be one of those players where UCLA has actually done a pretty good job recruiting the linebacker. And that was kind of, I mentioned, he, he recruited like 50 of them. 
Um, yeah. But they, they get him to come in. Bo Calvert was a top guy and really played pretty well last year. Caleb Johnson also was somebody that I thought was really interesting. Um, and they, they have like a couple of guys on the outside too. So I, I think there are some pieces here. And I really like the fact that they went out and they got somebody that can hopefully help immediately. And that's something I'll be looking out for. On the, on the secondary side, they got a player named Cameron Johnson, who was a grad transfer from North Texas, had 100 tackles there. So at least that beefs up some of the, the secondary yeah. there. I don't know if he'll start. Um, you know, Like you mentioned, Rob, they're in the 70s in terms of their pass defense, but at least that was there. And then they lost a ton of guys into the transfer portal, but n- none of them were really... Like last year, it was kind of a mess. You're like, oh, yeah. no, they lost their best offensive lineman and they lost the same analysis. But mostly it was guys that were in the, you know, uh, Lini uh, uh, Tolia, I think is how you pronounce his name. Um, he ends up leaving. He played some significant time at, uh, at linebacker. But for the most part, I thought that they finally had a net gain in the transfer portal rather than uh, a net loss. And they got Ethan Garber. She's not going to play now, but number four quarterback out of, um, Washington kind of gives me a little bit of pause. The fact that I was not as big of a fan of their passing attack and the quarterback they ended up going with um, this past year. So yeah. it gives me a little bit of pause on how good garbage is, but who knows, maybe just with a new, um, new coaching staff, he can, he can find himself. Yeah. Well, I mean, you remember the, I mean, I'm trying to remember what was the other, um, because they had, they had had another Wilson. transfer. Yeah. From Washington at quarterback who ended up moving to tight end. Right. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right about the, the Washington QB room, right? I mean, it, it, it is stocked and yet somehow when you actually see the product on the field, it manages to underwhelm, um, you know, Kaha was a really interesting get for them. He was set to go to Utah, um, and had announced that he was going to transfer to the Utes and then changed, you know, at the last minute and, and ended up choosing the Bruins. So uh, you're right. That is a good get for them. Uh, you know, and I think if, if they can get Calvert and Kyle on the field um, and you know, then it's going to be a question of, cause Odigazua was a, a monster at eating up blocks. You know, are they going to have the guys that can, can play, you know, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a two gap and, you know, potentially be able to keep the linebackers free if they can, then, you know, I think that they could be really good against the run again. Yeah. And I forgot they got a, a Notre Dame transfer, uh, Jordan Genmark, uh, Heath, two last names, uh, you know, kind of a converted safety, but he comes in with a little bit of talent. Cam Brown was a wide receiver. That was like a top 30 wide receiver in the 2018 class. So, I mean, like, obviously he's not going to help on defense, but it's just interesting to see if they can use and integrate him into a system that really didn't throw the wide receivers as much as I would have liked them to. And I, I love, I am a tight end apologist. Like I think that Chip Kelly has proven my point when people are like, ah, we can't get a cap catching tight end. I'm like, oh my gosh, he literally is playing. He's going to make a walk on tight end an NFL player. Like, come on, let's, let's uh, bring some bounties in here and uh, use them in the offense. But, um, but on the offensive line, you know, Sean Ryan returns. He was legit. Yeah. He was a top 15 tackle yep. in 2019. Basically they return the whole line and they're still pretty young. And I just love the fact that they were able to get yards on the ground this time. Um, I don't know. What did you think about the line this year? Are you, are you uh, optimistic about them coming in? Yeah, I am somewhat optimistic about them coming in. I mean, they they really showed improvement, at least in the effective rush numbers from beta rank grading out at number seven overall in effective rush. I mean, they as we talked about, I mean, they were really able to put it together, uh, you know, running the football. Again, you want to see it sustained, but 
it's and it's different, right? I mean, this isn't the same kind of rushing attack that Chip Kelly had at Oregon, right? Like, I mean, now yeah. I I I did poke fun at people saying DTR was perfect for the offense. He did run the ball more last season. Yeah. Not, I mean, still not a ton. Um, and some of those rushes were not designed rushes or or even <laughs> RPOs. They were just you know they drop back to pass and end up running, you know, ended up running. But I, I do think that they, I think it's still going to be keyed off the running attack, <clears throat> but it's going to be, are they going to be able to stretch the defense beyond just seam shots, you know, to the tight end, you know, on play action or in the passing game, are they going to be able to, to potentially stretch the field a little bit with the wide receivers, keep the safeties from coming down in the run game? If they're able to do that, I mean, I, I think that, you know, at that point you're talking about like a, enough of a multidimensional offense I don't expect run defenses in the Pac-12 to be as bad, as bad as they looked, you know, on the field last season, right? I mean, they did. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe it just wasn't, you know, not having really enough time in camp, being rushed back onto the field. I mean, it wasn't just in the Pac-12. I mean, there were some pretty big name defenses that had a little bit of the struggles last year, uh, you know. So, but I mean, I I fully expect Oregon and you know and Washington to bounce back defensively. Um, we already talked about Utah should be pretty salty on defense. You know, I, I, I want to, I mean, they're going to have to, I, I think this UCLA team is going to have to be able to bring it, uh, you know, a, a little bit more than they did last year. And they were pretty good. The good thing was they're young, yeah. you know, um, I think it was four. you know, now it's bizarre. Cause like, I don't know what to, how to qualify somebody in what class because COVID basically you get this, I don't know. The, the, it makes it seem like a sophomore is a junior or a sophomore is a freshman, anyway, but like basically mostly sophomores and underclassmen on that line and they, them returning, I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit more optimistic on that front, but I I'm with you. I think that the defenses they're going to go up against, they're going to be a little bit more uh, stringent than they were in the past. Um, anything else on UCLA? I think for the most part, you know, we don't quite know because we haven't seen spring practice yet, but those are the biggest questions at least I had going in. Do you have any other ones? No, I think that, I mean, that's really what I got for them. I mean, are they going to be able to take, you know, are they going to be able to live up to expectations, you know, and uh, a lot of that's going to depend on being able to develop a little more of a passing game. And then it's, you know, what is the defense like without a Duke Azula? That's that's, that's my biggest question, actually, is that is like literally who replaces Odig and can they, he doesn't have to be quite at that level, but where where do the tackles and stops come from? I think like one last thing to mention with them is beta rank basically has four teams, you know, tied mm-hmm. within or within like 10 spots of each other, which is basically, you know, if you put them all on a neutral field, they're all going to be pretty close. Yep. Um, so it's a- ASU, UCLA, USC and Utah. If I were to bet on one team taking the fall from those or just losing those games, it would be UCLA, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, the tough thing with the Bruins is, I mean, if you, you, they they get a they don't get a break on the schedule at all, right? I mean, so yeah. I mean, if you're if you're, they might be better in advanced stats than their record is because while USC misses both Oregon and Washington this season, uh, yeah. UCLA gets them both. <laughs> Got to earn it, baby. Got to earn yeah. that one, Chip. <laughs> so they're they're not going to be like they they will have no room for error in their matchups against the other three you know teams that we project to be pretty good in the South. They're going to have to probably run the table um, in those toss up games against Utah, USC, and, and ASU. Yeah, yeah. But it just I'm just curious to see where they end up this year. Um, if there's any team I think is that's going to come in fourth of those, that that's where I put my money. And like you mentioned, you're really going to have to climb uh, the whole gauntlet to get there. 
let's talk about Colorado. I have so many questions and they just finished either they finished or they had their first spring game. Um, so I think we have enough. I've been reading up a lot on their spring ball and what the, what's kind of the developments have been out of there. Um, I mean, obviously the first thing is there's clearly going to be a quarterback controversy. Uh, Sam Neuer, God bless him, did his job. I think if you talk to any Colorado fan, they're like, hell yeah, love that guy. Hope we have a better quarterback next year because he did right. everything he possibly could to drag them along. Uh, but I think we did see a cap in terms of what he was able to bring to the table uh, over the course of the year, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I you know, they they got in, you know, Shrout from Tennessee. There's been a lot of talk, uh, you know, about him. Really, though, I mean, only a three-star, you know, quarterback. I mean, although across a lot of the teams in the Pac-12, you're going to see some three-star QBs playing. Um, you know, and that's, but they're, they, they were not able to, to get very much out of Neuer last year. I mean, I, I thought he played tough. He the lowered offense, that shoulder. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, he could, I mean, he played safety before he, he decided to come back and, and to, you know, try his hand at quarterback again. Um, but they were a lot better. You know, the, the offense was kind of at the lower end of the power five, number 52 overall in beta rank. Um, but they, uh, they were, you know, they were they were a lot better running the ball than they were throwing the ball. 33 in effective rush, 78 in effective pass. You know, they are, I, I think for them to improve, they're going to have to really improve the, the numbers throwing the football. Well, so I, I, I pushed back a little bit on that. I think that's what their offense is going to be. Um, they have, do you see that they have 12 tight ends? Like for, for real, they have 12 tight ends on their roster. Like they want multiple tight end sets. Plus they have Broussard. Plus, you get Alex Fontenot coming back, and he was almost a thousand-yard runner the previous year. Um, and they they got this guy Ashad Clayton, who was a top fifteen back. He had offers from Alabama, LSU, Florida, Georgia. I mean, like, I think that's what we're gonna see is a more like wet like ground and pound with the tight ends, um, and that might be fine for the court, particularly this coming year, because I don't think the quarterbacks are gonna be that good. So that might just be you know if Colorado can do that, I think they'll be good enough. But I guess your part, are you saying like in order for them to make the leap, they're going to have to to pass the ball downfield. I mean, they could, I mean, they could improve running the football. I mean, that that's entirely possible. What I struggle with when I think about that though, for them is, uh, you know, Chia, that's not Chia Verini's offense, right? Like, I mean, you remember his offense that he ran yeah. you know, a couple of years ago. He wants um, to go. Yeah. Right. I mean, he, you know, he wants, I mean, I wouldn't say they whipped it all over the field. A lot of the passes were within, you know, seven yards of the line of scrimmage, but they certainly did get the ball around, you know, in that space, you know, maybe that they've looked at their limitations that they have in the QB room and said, all right, well, we're going to run the ball. <laughs> uh, and that's fair. I, Cause I, I mean, I think it, it's, you know, but I, I would hope that they're able to get more out of, you know, Shrout, um, you know, or the, uh, you know, their other quarterback. Who, you know, well, that's what I'm worried about. Lewis, Brendan you know, Lewis. Right? And um, there's, and to, there's not really been a lot about him written. And yeah. normally when we're talking spring camp, if they're not writing about you, there's, you know, that's usually the writers kind of te- treating you with kids gloves. Um, right. And he came in as like somebody that got a lot of offer. I was really excited about him. I thought he was going to start um, over. I mean, the fact that he lost his job to Neuer, I mean, right. R- right. Freshman quarterback coming in. We're not all going to be, uh, you know, like Alabama or Clemson. But the fact that really the focus has been on Shrout with Neuer out because he had a shoulder injury, I think kind of highlights where that competition is going to kind of fall at the end of this. Right. Yeah. No, I think that 
the, that's right. I mean, the fact, I mean, Trout is getting all of the headlines. If you're following any of the Colorado uh, beat writers right now, I mean, it's, it's a lot of Shroud all the time. The, the, the competition's probably not going to get wrapped up until the fall, but yeah, they definitely, I mean, you, one of the things that I think you have to, I mean, even with the Nixon transfer to USC, Chiaverini is a good recruiter and developer of wide receiver talent. I mean, I, you have to give him credit there. I think he's done a yeah. really good job. Um, I mean, it just feels like to give, you know, to, to not be able to improve throwing the ball around, like teams are going to stack up, right? I mean, you can go with two tight end set all you want. You know, the defense is going to figure it out and go heavy on you. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they have Brady Russell who, I mean, they like, and people in Boulder were super excited about him. He got injured like in the first five plays or something, which is a total bummer. So he'll return. And then if you look back down, I mean, like they have Levante Chenault, LaVisca's younger brother. He also came yeah. as a four-star player. They have Barry Rice's, uh, not Barry, Barry Rice, Jerry Rice's kid. Oh, it's late, Rob. It's late. Um, Dimitri Stan- Stanley, Daniel uh, Arias, who, who was somebody that I think a lot of uh, people in Colorado are looking to put together the pieces so it's certainly, I mean, I, I, I guess the talent is there. And they also, there's this new guy named Montana Lemonius Craig, who I think is going to be that comfort blanket where they're just going to keep throwing him because he's open like seven yards down the field. Yeah. So to your point, there's talent. It's just, you know, like we, we've seen teams and like you and I are Arizona alums. Like we've watched teams where when Khalil Tate couldn't throw the ball down the field, like didn't matter how good your wide receivers were. Now it wasn't like right. Arizona's wide receivers were good either, but like, I, I just I, I'm hoping it, you know if it's Shrout, I'm hoping he's able to throw the ball you know past the ten yard line and and with accuracy because it would open up some some things. But um, they do have a good fallback, I guess. Like so, I, I guess what I'm arguing is that the the basement is the baseline is pretty high for them in terms like I don't think they're gonna fall off a cliff because they have that foundation there in the run game. Yeah, I mean this Colorado team improved. I mean I don't want to take away from. I mean we they were better in their record than they were in advanced stats. They got a little, they got a little bit lucky in in some of their games, but they were a better team in 2020 than they were in 19. Um, The offense did, you know, progress a little bit. The defense also progressed a little bit as well. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that they have, you know, I think that they can run the ball and, and be effective. And if they can, I mean, their younger quarterbacks, you know, or whether it be Shroud or Lewis are, are going to have the opportunity to, to, to hit some guys that should be open because guys are focused in on, you know, the defense is focused in on the run game. All right. Some technical difficulties here at 12 pack radio, but we got it settled. Rob, let's talk about the offensive line here um, because I'm kind of excited about them. They return almost everybody. And I think the unit has been sneaky competent for the last couple of years. The last year, Mel Tucker um, I actually didn't expect a ton and it was actually Colorado fans that, that were pointing out like, Hey, this, this unit's actually pretty good. And we're actually like the people behind them. And that ended up being the case. It wasn't like their quarterbacks were running for their life. They were able to get some yardage on the ground. Now the whole team itself wasn't great, but the line itself is kind of one of those like stereotypical power five conference lines that can play well as a unit. It's mostly three-star guys, but darn it, they play well together and I think that's what we have this year. We have William Sherman leaving the NFL, and that was kind of expected if you kind of read the Colorado boards and all that from last year. But they return everybody else, including Frank Phillip, Rob, who I actually am kind of excited to see whether or not he can step up at that left tackle spot. Yeah, I mean, in, in pro football focus, really like their tackles a lot more than they like the interior of the line. You know, and I think, you know, the 
returning, you know, Philip, I think is a, is a big deal. If he can slide over and, and, you know, fill in at left tackle, you know, or, or play well, sorry, play well at left tackle. And if they can replace Sherman, you know, as well as continue to develop the interior guys, I think that they have a decent shot. I mean, the, the, what as but this, by the same token, as we talked about with like UCLA's, you know, rushing attack, I do want to see them prove it again. Right. I mean, I want to see them, you know, be able to run the football, you know, really effectively, uh, you know, against what should be a better, you know, Pac-12, <laughs> should be a better Pac-12 seat, you know. We hope um, so. Yeah, you know, bunch of defenses. And they, you know, they they have a, a somewhat, I mean, they have a, well, no, they don't have a super favorite. I mean, they get both Washington and Oregon this year. A little bit, it could be tough sledding for Colorado to try to keep up with the top four. But what I like, I mean, there, there, there's a big gap for where, I mean, they're, they're, they're nowhere near where they were grading out. They were grading out at the end, uh, you know, that last year with Tucker, you know, in the seventies in beta rank, um, you know, they're, they're not going to you know, we have them projected in the forties, uh, coming into this year. I mean, just, you know, kind of, I mean, still at the lower end of an improved pack 12, but far from being kind of like in the range where they were falling before. Yeah. Plus they get, uh, they got an Iowa transfer a couple of days ago. I think it's Noah Fenske who, or Fenske, who was, uh, could be center or a guard. So he's more of an interior guy. Uh, but we'll see, you know, we'll see whether or not like he, he pulls through, but it's another body and somebody that certainly, um, had some talent. I think he was a three-star player coming out of high school, but, um, it seems like, you know, Iowa has a pretty good eye for talent on the offensive line. They always have a pretty solid unit there. So that should be yeah. good. Um, anything else on the offense or should we go to defense here? No, no. I mean, I, th- I think the offense, I mean, in a lot of ways though, don't you feel like with the offense though, it is, even though they're going to rely on the run game and in, in all likelihood, right? It still feels like the ceiling is going to be set by the passing game. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. So I'm, I, I'm more bullish on Colorado being able to score some points, whether, um, but it's just whether or not they're going to be able to keep up with that mid to upper tier Pac-12 uh, type of team. And they're going to need to be able to throw the ball to do so. But uh, for the most part, shoot, like if they if they pull 500, hell yeah, dude. Like I, I think that's yeah. that's another really good year for Colorado. And, and it just seems like at least through the first year, Durrell like kind of just got thrown into the fire and was able to deliver. Uh, but clearly, you know, I mean, they played Texas. Now they did fire Texas coach to their credit, but but they did get their head handed to them in that game. So a lot of work to do to be able. <sighs> that to was ugly. Kids. That was an ugly. That was an ugly one for sure. And, and you knew it was. I mean, I, it was a it was a big mismatch, right? Colorado was a little bit, you know, a little bit worse than their record overall. And then no one was no one was going bowling from the Pac-12, so they ended up getting you know a, a pretty unfavorable matchup against Texas in the bowl game. Uh, yeah, that was pretty brutal. Um, it was just a question whether or not Texas would show up. And and it's funny because it's two years in a row where Texas played a disappointing bowl against a Pac-12 team and just beat the crap out of them yeah. with Utah. The previous yeah. Game, so what are you going to do? Um, all right, let's get to the Colorado defense and let's do it right after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. This defense, Rob. 
this is the biggest question I have for Colorado because I thought their defensive line actually was pretty good and their linebackers are super interesting. They also have some other people they're bringing, uh, but that secondary, I just don't know because a lot of the teams that Colorado is playing also, I was not super high in the quarterback um, that they were, they were up against. So I'm wondering if like UCLA, that secondary is maybe more of a, um, uh, I, I'm like trying to find like the right word for it, but uh, you know, it might be more of a problem than it looked the previous season. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. I mean, it's tough too. Cause like their, their beta rank number, there were 25 at effective pass, but I just feel like, yeah. as you said, like, I mean, you get UCLA, you get San Diego state, two teams that are not going to throw the ball all over you by any stretch. When, by the time they really get somebody that's an effective passing team, it's, it's the bowl game. And lo and behold, just give, give Bijan Robinson the ball as much as possible. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, they, so their run defense, you know, I, looks maybe worse than it is because they did get teams. I mean, San Diego state is, is a run first team. They had a pretty good offensive line last year. Um, you know, Texas, they, they, Texas would like to throw the football, but you know, with the, the backup quarterback in and with Robinson, just having a monster day, you know, you know, feed your, feed your guys. I don't know. I, I don't think that this pass defense is, is as good as they shook out in the advanced stats last season. And I think it's just a product of the weird year. Um, you know, I, I, I want to see them prove it because they were, they were nightmarishly bad in, in 2019. Let me pull up that number real quick because yeah, they were at 112 an effective pass oh my. in 2019. So 2020 numbers come with a big grain of salt. Uh, and I, I do, I want to, I want to see improve it, uh, on this number, you know, that they can actually, you know, be, be a lot better. Well, cause we all had them not at the bottom of the pack 12, but like we, we were, I don't think any of us was super bullish on CU. And, and the reason was because the secondary, we just thought that they were going to give up a ton of points, uh, you know, in the backfield or not, not in the backfield in the secondary. Um, and you know, like again, to the to the credit of this uh, staff, which also has a new defensive coordinator, by the way, um, they ended up um, getting their defensive line coach and moving him up to the defensive coordinator position. So it'd be interesting to see what we have on that front. Uh, but he does start with a good defensive line, right? Jalen Sammy is where it starts, and he's a defensive tackle, 6'6", 320, and he's quite good. Uh, they do lose Mustafa Johnson, but they do like it's kind of the opposite of what UCLA was, Rob, where now certainly Sammy was an Odigazua, but they do start with a good piece in the middle. And now it's a question of whether or not the guys, uh, you know, around on the edges are able to take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, the run defense was 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 decent. They they, they graded out at number uh, 63 overall in beta rank and effective rush last season. So there there is some room for improvement there. You know, but you you do like some of the pieces. They're returning a lot uh, on this Colorado squad uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I do think that they can be better. Um, you know, again, they're at they're at number twenty seven in returning production on defense. So they they are bringing back some some solid pieces to work off of uh, that you like. I think, and they're at number sixteen in returning production on offense. I mean, there's a there's a lot of uh, of guys coming back from like. And this is true, of course, across all. I mean, because of the uh, you know the no the no count in 2020. I mean, there's a lot of people coming back regardless. But Colorado, I think that they got you know for the most part, other than you know uh, Sheridan going pro, or Sherman going pro, they mostly brought everyone back. Yeah, this might be the best year of college football in a while in terms of the quality, just because yeah. 
every team returns everybody and they get that extra year, which is pretty fun. Uh, hey, one thing I forgot to mention was uh, just going back to UCLA real fast. We we're talking about the tight end. Uh, they they brought in a uh, an Oklahoma transfer at the tight end position, and he's supposed to be awesome. So just one thing to keep in mind there Ooh. at UCLA. I forgot <laughs> to mention that as we were talking about the <laughs> as we were talking about the walk on tight end. Although Dolzich, <laughs> I think, is going to be the guy. But anyway, just uh, some interesting piece there. Chip, Chip Collins um, going to be in twelve personnel a lot. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, like t- taking a look at the linebacking position too. We have Nate Landman. We'll see if he returns, right? He had the ACL tear, which totally sucked. I was really bummed about that. I know he's doing better in his rehab than I think people had anticipated. If he's if he can play, he's going to play. Um, but if he doesn't, that's a big impact there. The one thing that they can make up with, they got a UNC transfer in Jack Lamb. Uh, Jonathan Van Deest is, is a guy on the inside. So I think they'll be okay. And then Carson Wells last year was actually really good. Uh, plus, they get this guy, Robert Barnes, who's another uh, Oklahoma transfer, and he's supposed to be doing really well uh, in camp also. So I don't know, I just think it's interesting that the pieces there for the front seven, I think for the most part, are pretty solid. But it's just, again, that secondary where, like, I really want to see, and, and I didn't get a lot of, because um, it's spring, right? It's kind of difficult to get um, that initial, like, hey, this secondary is going to be awesome. But Man, I would have loved to hear, man, the secondary is going to be awesome from them for me to kind of make that jump for the the next level for Colorado. Yeah, I, I do think you're right. I mean, that we we need to see that the secondary can can put it together and, you know, be be awesome because I do think that this defense though they did take, you know, a little bit of a step forward last season. I I just I'm I'm not convinced that if you really and last year too, I mean, if you look across the Pac-12 who really nailed it last season at quarterback? <laughs> almost, almost nobody. Um, you know, right? I mean, there was a lot of turnover in the conference to begin with. Uh, you know, and you know, like we talked about, I mean, they didn't exactly get a murderer's row. So, yeah, I mean, we we do really need to see that these guys can do it. They, you know, we talked about that they were sort of thrown into the fire, right? I mean, these guys had no playing experience, you know, in 2019. You know, so it was not super surprising that they absolutely got torched. You know, you do expect some improvement. I think they probably settle out somewhere in like the 50s or 60s this season, which is the bottom end of the power five, but it's still a big improvement over 112. With Stanford, did Stanford have the best quarterback last year? Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you think, I mean, wouldn't you think so? Wouldn't you'd say so, right? I mean, like a Slovis didn't have a gangbusters year. Mills really probably had the best year of anybody. And and then there's just like a cliff after that. I mean, it it was crazy. Right. Um, I mean, Tyler Shuck played so well he transferred. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Dylan, Dylan Morris didn't light it up at Washington. Oh. You know, Daniels. Uh, that that was an all running attack. I mean, that ASU offense was all rushing last season. I mean, no no one had. A, I mean, it is tough because you just look across the conference coming into this season too, and you you're there's not a lot to really hang your hat on with QBs. Yeah, I guess I guess Garbers maybe at Cal if that offense if like Bill Musgrave really gets that yeah. offense going. I think that first game left such a bad taste in my mouth because obviously they I mean <laughs> thrown in the fire right after COVID protocol they weren't able to practice and all that stuff. So I get it, I get it. It was just more it was so stark, and I'm like, oh. And he did pick up to his credit, like that Cal offense started picking up over time. But I mean, man, if Garbers and that offense is third, 
Uh, I think the Pac-12 has a lot of work to do in terms of bringing on new quarterbacks. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I I want a, a big fight at Washington with Dylan Morris and uh, I think Sam Hewards, the, the guy they have, the five-star freshman. Um, yeah. I think I think that would be helpful. But yeah, man, that's wild. I don't know. I'm, I'm let me take a look real fast on any other questions I have for Colorado. I mean, really, that that's it. Like, I think we kind of know what the offense is going to be. Uh, at least, like, we have a, a pretty good idea. Um, and it's just whether or not the defense can really um, stop anybody from throwing the football. And if they do, like, I think that might be a bowl team if they're able to do that. And if they get like 20% more out of their quarterback this year, um, I think you got to look, you know, like look at the season. I'd be pretty excited if you're a Colorado fan because I don't think they're expecting to go to like the Holiday Bowl. I think they're expecting right. to go to like the New Mexico Bowl. And that those are like great standards to have like for a second year coach. No, I'm, I, I do want to say I am. They, they moved on from Tyson Summers, who was a holdover from Mel Tucker at defensive coordinator. Um, yeah. And they promoted their defensive line coach, Chris Wilson. He was really good. I mean, off the top of my head, I think it was in Mississippi State. Yeah. We're talking a while, like a couple of years ago, he was last the defensive play caller. He did a really good job. So I'm interested to see, you know, him, uh, you know, in there. I think he could be an upgrade as a play caller. Uh, and I'm excited to see him get another shot because it just feels like too few guys who are either offensive line or defensive line coaches get you know real chances to be play callers. And lo and behold, here was a guy that was actually good at it and <laughs> couldn't get another shot. So I'm excited to see Wilson get another crack at it as a, a DC. Yeah, that'll be exciting. I think one of the things that we'll keep an eye out for um, as we move into the off season is like what his plans are. That's one thing I haven't really read too much up on is like, what, is there any changes in the scheme? I yeah. would assume that there, there is, but um, man, he just done a good job at the defensive line. I mean, that's really been a strength for them. So I'll be curious to see if he can pick it up. Um, anything else you want to cover, Rob? I mean, this is kind of, we just wanted to do two teams this week, but you know, anything else on your mind? No, I don't. I, I I'm already bored. I don't want to talk about the college football super league ever again. I know I don't <laughs> want to speak of it. I don't want to hear of it. I just like, I spent today kind of like thinking through and like responding to like some of the crazy stuff people were saying that I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm by noon. I was like, I'm over it. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> um, Tommy Lloyd hired as the Arizona coach. Good hire. I mean, as good a hire as you can expect given, you know, I mean, I'm so but, excited. Like I've yeah. actually started to follow Arizona Twitter again. Like, cause I have to put oh, up with the, Oh, you stuck your, to- you stuck your toes back in those waters. Did, I'm not did talking it, did, to anybody. <laughs> was it, was it like in Moana where like you tried to stick your toes in the waters and the water ran away from you? Like it was <laughs> like, if you don't, if you don't know, Bryant was la- back, even back in like the, the not quite, I mean, before the FBI scandal, Bryant was one of the people that was actually critical of Sean Miller. <laughs> and, and, oh, he, like he used to stir up a hornet's nest with Arizona fans on Miller. Guy couldn't break his own, man. He's just playing like stubborn offense. And then he gave up his defense and so his bad offense and bad defense. What, like, I guess real, like one of the things that I'm excited about is it, this should be a more free flowing offense, yeah. which is a breath of fresh air. Um, Arizona already brought in a four-star center and I think they're going to do pretty well in the transfer portal. Now I know a lot of the players from Arizona are leaving, but, um, I'm like, I just, it's just that cloud was just, it was just dark and stanky and it just needed to go. And it's actually Ralph Ampson made a really good point on their podcast, the PAC 12 apostles. He's talking about how the hire of Jed fish 
could have made it a little easier for them to fire Miller because Fish did everything that someone didn't. Fish is friendly yeah. and open and promoted the program and brought in alumni. Like he just did all the e- like frankly all the easy things. That stuff isn't hard. It's the coaching that's hard. And someone right. was bad at both of those things. So yeah. I think the administration was like, oh wow, like we could actually get somebody that that isn't an like a hole. <laughs> And, and is good at coaching. Well, well, maybe we should do that. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about the Tommy Lloyd era. Well, we'll see. I could be totally wrong, but um, man, if if he can keep most of the class, and and pick up a few players, and just even if we went like this, even if we did the exact same as we did the previous year with a new coach and a like an actual offensive system, man, like. I would feel so excited about that. So anyway, that's, I mean, that's, Arizona's what, got, think? I mean, like, I mean, I would say like, I mean, Arizona still has punishment coming in all likelihood. Right. Like, I mean, they yeah. may get, I mean, they're going to have some scholarship reductions, you know, likely coming down, but I just, you know, yeah. I mean, and they, and they may get another, you know, postseason ban, which if you're Arizona, fine, you know, yeah. you, you, you know, Tommy Lloyd knew that coming in. Um, you know, you're going to, you know, he, he may be able to go back and get some of these guys, you know, he's going to get some of these guys out of the portal is my guess. I mean, they're not all going to transfer. He's got, he just announced they're keeping Jack Murphy who was on the previous staff. So, um, yeah, I mean, and I think if you're, you know, I mean, Arizona needed somebody that can still, I mean, still go out and, I mean, we didn't know this. I mean, we talk about this with Sean, like we didn't know Sean Miller was going to turn into a recruiting machine when he landed yeah. in Arizona from Xavier, right? Like he had never landed, you know, like really big players when he was in Cincinnati. So, <laughs> it was, you know, it was a revelation that he was able to, to recruit as well as he did. A lot of that, I think though, too, is the, the Arizona brand. Um, and I, I think Tommy Lloyd's going to be able to, to, to work with that. But as you said, I mean, just having somebody out there that is at least smiling, willing and able to talk to the media. I mean, Miller was at the point where, and this was even before the FBI scandal. I mean, he was a, he was a Jim. I mean, he wasn't like, he wasn't quite like a Jim Bay, Bayheim level of like the last two or three years level jerk, but like he was a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and you can just see it. Yeah. Like there's just the frustration as he's coaching and stuff. I mean, like, and again, like I think a lot of teams did what Arizona did, you know, which was um, go get five-star players the way that you got five-star players. And Arizona just happened to be in that pool of people connected to that one runner. So, I mean, like I get, I get, I get the frustration, but when you add that onto the fact that the the product on the court was just kind of awful to watch at times. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. Like I'm actually no, checking no, if you're an Arizona fan, like, oh, they get anybody. <laughs> if you're an Arizona fan, you're looking, I mean like basketball, you may be looking at like, Hey, you know, maybe we finished like four or five in the pack 12, but like, not having Sean Miller and Kevin Sumlin coming into next year, like even if even if you can't go to the NCAA tournament and the team the football team is still bad, it's still better. It's still better than where you were by such a long shot. <laughs> no, I'm I'm looking forward to that. And again, we're like we're we're gonna be color, covering football, but um it's kind of like a big hire in the Pac twelve and I'll be curious to see where that program goes in the future. But uh Rob, so um, who do we want to do next? So we've done, uh, we did ASU, we've done UCLA, we've done Colorado. Who do we do with the ASU? Utah. Utah. Okay. Are we going to finish out the South or are we going to bounce to the North? No, let's do the South. Yeah. I think it's, I think it just kind of, right. it, it makes things cohesive and stuff. So we have USC and Arizona. Speaking of the just awful, awful yeah. teams that fell off the cliff, uh, Arizona, but <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I am, I am going to be very mellow. Uh, I mean, Arizona is going to be, Arizona is going to be bad. They might not be as bad as we maybe expect, but they're going to be bad. Yeah. And send us your questions about both teams. So both of yeah. them are going through spring camp right now. So, um, Arizona's already had a couple scrimmages. I know USC had one yesterday. I was listening to our friends at Reign of Troy. So happy to, to kind of try to cover anything that you guys want us to take a look at. I mean, obviously if you want three deep breakdowns, go to each team's <laughs> program. But if you're looking for really important X's and O's or big picture stuff that will define what a program does, um, you can get those there too. But we, we, that's kind of our specialization here, um, at 12 pack radio and on sharp college football. So, um, all right, that's it for me, Rob, you got anything to plug? Yeah, I mean, I'm doing North Carolina tonight after we get done with this, and I fixed some data error that seems to have shown up in something. And then uh, doing um, Iowa this week, Washington, the Huskies. So if you're a Husky fan, ch- check us out, tune in. Uh, I promise to say nice things, at least about the defense. <laughs> uh, and then we're doing Cincinnati. Cincinnati's the highest ranked power five or group of five team uh, in the beta rank projections. They're coming in at number 11. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk about them. They lost their defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman to Notre Dame. So, um, but Luke fickles had his, his hands in that defense too. So I'm, I'm the, the Bearcats could be pretty good this year. The, the extra year of eligibility is going to help them a lot. One, one last question on Cincinnati. Okay. Because he, um, like Fickle, obviously, is a name that's thrown around all the time. God awful offense, just awful. Oh yeah. Um, if you're a Power Five conference, do you, do you go down that road knowing that he hasn't changed his offense yet at Cincinnati, and that might be a problem at your school? You'd take that competent defense, though, wouldn't you? I mean, you would take a, you know, a guy that get your defense in line. What you maybe talk to him about is you say like, you can't bring your OC with you. Like we gotta, we gotta go out on the market and hire an OC, right? I mean. I mean, you, we thought that, like, I mean, with like Dave, like I really thought uh, Dave Aranda, you know, with his hire Larry Fedora would work, and it was a disaster, right? Like, I mean, that didn't work yeah. at all with Baylor last season, um, and they've already moved on. So, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I would take a shot with Fickle. I mean, everybody and their mother throws around that like he's waiting around for the Ohio State job, and I'm like, dude, Ryan Day's not going. Anymore. Like, Ryan- <laughs> when is he going to get that? Dude, Ohio State's going to be in the playoff the next ten years. I mean, unless Ryan Day, unless, I mean, and, and I'm not saying, I mean, Ryan Day will get pro offers, but oh, you know, like yeah. he's only going to like, I mean, are you, you going to just sit at Cincinnati? I mean, like if Texas came knocking and they didn't go, you know, like, and they hadn't gone for Sarkeesian, right? Like if Sarkeesian had said no, and Texas comes knocking for fickle, are you going to, you going to wait around for Ohio state? Like you're out of your mind. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. No, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Uh, and I'm looking forward to watching that video. So, um, all right, sharpcollegefootball.com, 12-pack radio, you know, send us your questions and we will be happy to answer them next time. So Arizona and USC, we'll catch everybody next week.